Good evening, IT entrepreneurs, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Joe Panateri, content czar for AfterNines.com. Thanks for joining us each Tuesday night at 9.01 p.m. Eastern and sometimes in between. Now, on to podcast episode 21, my conversation with AppDirect co-CEO Daniel Sachs. We discuss the company's Series D funding, a $50 million round announced this week, plus the five core values that Daniel and his co-CEO leverage as they position AppDirect for continued growth. Hey, Daniel, how you been? I'm great, Joe. Great to be speaking with you again. It's great to be speaking with you again. Thank you so much for taking the time. Hey, congratulations, obviously, on the Series D financing. But before we get into that conversation, can we talk a little bit first about the big picture what is AppDirect for our listeners who aren't familiar with the company? AppDirect makes it incredibly easy for businesses around the world to find, buy, and manage the cloud services that they need. Okay. And when you say cloud services, are these uh, software applications that, uh, that live up in the cloud, or are you grabbing the applications and deploying them on-premise, or is it a mix? Um, I'm trying to get a, better, a little bit better understanding of, of where these services actually get deployed. So it's all types of software. So as you may know, there's the cloud, which is hosting up in the air. Yep. And uh, we can enable the de deployment both on-premise and uh, and in the cloud. Okay, excellent, excellent. So so this week you announced a Series D financing, $50 million. Congratulations. I think that brings total funding to date of uh, about $110 million. What does this latest round of funding do for you and your customers ultimately? It ultimately allows us to accelerate our growth. And it's a very exciting validation of the traction in the ecosystem that we've built. Okay. All right. And tell me about the traction in the ecosystem. Who's in the ecosystem and what type of milestones are you celebrating? So we have three types of partners in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. First is the cloud service developer. That's someone who's going to build and develop an app around a business pain point. Right. Examples that you might be familiar with would be Microsoft 365, Symantec for security, or Box, for example, for backup and collaboration. Sure. The second stakeholder uh, would be the cloud service provider. So that's someone who is in the business of selling software. That could be a telecom like AT&T or Comcast. That could be a retailer like Staples. It could be a VAR or a reseller. So any type of uh, distributor or provider of software. Mm -hmm. And then the third uh, group is essentially the business consumer. So the end business user that's going to purchase the applications and get value out of them. Okay. And Bridging together those three groups, that really builds the AppDirect ecosystem. Okay. Now, that AppDirect ecosystem, I could be wrong, but it, it sort of sounds to me like an online mall where I can go out and get the right apps from me. Let, let's pretend I run a company called Acme, right? I'm a small business. It's Acme. Do I only go to your mall or are third-party companies building out malls based on AppDirect? Like maybe I go to a cable company or a telecom company and, and get the apps there, but it's really you providing the secret sauce. What's the model? That's exactly the model. So it's through our partners. And what we recognize is that businesses around the world want to buy software from local trusted providers, okay. people who are going to okay. be there in person, help them, and we're really enabling that ecosystem. Okay. And are these enterprise type apps or are they small business apps? Or are they, and you know what? I hate the word apps almost at this point because I should say applications. Are these enterprise applications or are they mobile apps that I could, you know, deploy out to my iPhone and, and smartphone, et cetera? So at this point, AppDirect can deliver applications of all types to businesses of all sizes 
across all devices. Mm -hmm. But really when we think about the core and when we think about a software application is it's something built around a business pain point and it's enabled to be accessible from anywhere. So what's so valuable about the cloud and about cloud applications for businesses of all sizes, regardless of location, is that just as you can log into Facebook or LinkedIn from any device anywhere and get access to your information, you can do the same thing with a cloud service. Okay. 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 Hey, let's talk a little bit about the, the business model and, and how you're organized. Now, you're a co-CEO. Tell me a little bit about your CEO partnership with Nicholas, your co-CEO. How did you guys meet? What sparked the startup? And, and how do you do, to address the division of roles that you have? So Nicholas and I have been friends for the last uh, 10 or, or more years. And we had always brainstormed different business ideas. And what we recognized early on is that we both had similar business objectives and goals and definitely defined values, but fairly different interests in terms of where we play day to day. Mm -hmm. So when we first started the company, we made it very clear that my desire was to be more external. So sales, marketing, communications, whereas Nick's desire and passion was built around product and technology and design. So from day one, we had a very clear delimination of responsibility, but that fundamentally hinged upon our core values, which we defined from day one, and we've attracted the team by them. We've attracted investors by them. Everyone we work with really is based on those four core fundamental values, and, and that's what makes us work together well. Tell me about the core the core values, and and the reason I ask is um, I've worked with a business partner, Amy Katz, for more more than a decade on on multiple startups. Now we have similar ethics, and morals, business values, and that really allows us to click as business partners. I'd love to hear about how you and Nicholas uh, have those similar values. Exactly. So ironically, even before we started the company, we started the discussion of what values we believe in. Mm -hmm. And we identified five core values and said, regardless of what business we end up doing, what matters is that we're aligned together for the long term and we do things that are going to create a better culture because it's all about the people. And, and alignment with each other, without a doubt. That, that's the word we use all the time. Are we in alignment? Tell me about that alignment. Exactly. So what drove that alignment was five fundamental values. The first being ownership. So making sure that we had clarity around roles and objectives and could own what we do. Mm -hmm. The second is humility, making sure that we put others' ideas and thoughts ahead of ours and make sure that we check our egos at the door. The third is true north, alignment for the long-term vision. So a lot of companies are focused on the short term. We wanted to optimize for the very long term. Right. The next is intensity. So making sure that we have um, essentially speed and perseverance at, at tackling a challenge or a problem. And the last is positive mental attitude. And as you know, building a business is tough. Right. And if right. you can be passionate about it and you can overcome challenges and you can have, uh, you know, assume positive intent, then you can have fun along the way and achieve great things. You know, well, Daniel, this is great stuff, but I got to say, you had me at alignment. <laughs> it, th this is exactly the type of information that I think a lot of business partners need because um, I'll give you a prime example. You're at Series D right now, you've raised $110 million. If you weren't aligned, your, your, your business partner could have said, yeah, you know what? I just want to do some, some uh, friends and family funding, and I'd love to sell this company at $5 million in revenue, and I'm done. And meanwhile, you're thinking out the Series D and potential IPO. So you guys have always had similar thought process in terms of where you go financially with the company? Exactly. So as we talked about the importance of alignment and highlighted values, 
part of that alignment is also in vision and mission and objectives. And what we said fundamentally is we want to help businesses find, buy, and use software. Mm -hmm. We want to make software accessible globally. And that's what drives us. It's not about the money or the exit or the next step. It's building a long-term endearing brand about people that have alignment in the vision and the values and the mission so we can achieve great things together forever. Okay. Okay. Tell me a little bit more about the technology here. And here's why I ask, you know, and, and, and I'm, I apologize for even using this term because I know you so much more than it. But I used that term earlier, the online mall. And, and one of the dangers that I saw early on in the cloud was anyone can launch a website, right, and slap up a bunch of logos on it and say, oh, here's a database. Click on the logo and get the database. And it sent, But then it really doesn't do, do much for you other than send you to the database provider's website to go get it there. It sounds like you guys are a lot more sophisticated in terms of the value your destination offers. So if I'm that Acme Corporation again, I'm the end customer, I go to your site or or a partner site to get the software. Am I sourcing the whole thing there? Am I getting the whole kit and caboodle right there? It goes far beyond the on- online experience. Okay. We really define success is omni-channel. So how can you create an experience that merges the business behaviors or purchase behaviors um, to make it very natural. So that could be a business buying a service in store and checking out at a kiosk. It could be a sales rep um, calling them over the phone or visiting the store with an iPad in store. It could be a reseller um, or bundling with your core service. But really, it's all about that omni-channel experience because, again, going back to our fundamental premise, businesses want to buy software from a local trusted provider. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. Yeah, they, they really want to be able to to know that person. I agree with you. Now, tell me a little bit more about the Series D. You raised the $50 million in, in this round. How far does that carry you forward? Can you give us any clues? Certainly. So as, again, I mentioned that our vision is to really make it easy for businesses to find, buy, and use software. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty big-picture mission. So there's a lot of growth opportunity. And we're the only at the tip of the iceberg of where we can become. So what we recognized is that if we bolster our balance sheet, it would enable us to accelerate growth more rapidly. And even as we spoke around our Series C, we still actually have the majority of the capital in the bank from the Series C. But we felt that uh, continuing to accelerate the growth in an effective way uh, would mean raising more capital um, so we can really double down in many ways. Did you consider at all uh, IPO before getting into the Series D discussion? Did you feel like you really needed this round and maybe, you know, I can't predict what the future holds, but was there any type of inflection point about going to public markets yet or is it still far too early? What always drives our decision-making is what's going to be less, uh, best for the long-term growth of the company. Uh-huh. And what we recognize is that we're fortunate enough to have metrics that support an IPO and that we are on an IPO track. But unless there's a compelling reason that would be better for the long-term value of the company to go public, which we don't see today, um, we think staying private is probably the most effective way to achieve those long-term objectives. Okay. Okay. Fair. Fair enough. Fair enough. Tell me more about managing growth. You know, when you're growing like this, I, I'm, I know you can't give out revenues, and I understand that. But are there any headcount figures you could give me? Maybe what your headcount was at the end of 2013, where it was at the end of 2014, where you expect it to be, and then how do you manage that growth? Certainly. So in mid 2013, we were sitting around 80 people. We then went to about 150 uh, mid this year. 
are now sitting at 200, expected to go to 350. So that's pretty rapid growth in headcount. And you mentioned a really good point. How do you manage that growth right. while retaining culture? Mm. And for us, what we've always thought about at each phase of our growth is how do we create the foundation to scale? And it all hinges on those values. So when we think about the talent life cycle, we think about attracting, training, and retaining people along those values. And that's how we maintain our culture as we scale the headcount. Yeah. Tell me about the past year or so, you and your business partner, Nicholas, have you been able to delegate more? I mean, a lot of founders, you know, they want to be involved in every business decision. But as you scale and now, you know, march towards 300 plus, you can't be involved in every decision anymore. And you've got to have a lot of trust on that team. Tell me about the evolution there. We have a mantra there, which is called graduation. So, <laughs> Okay. I try to graduate as frequently as possible. So at a lot of companies, big companies, you know, people will think about promotions. They're going to be stressed out. How can I ask for a promotion or be eligible for a promotion? At AppDirect, we train everyone to say, how can I graduate and replace myself? Because then we address the challenge you have of, of delegation. Mm -hmm. So literally every quarter, I look at my work stream and I say, who can I hire that's better than me at this so I can graduate and move on to the next thing? And likewise, when I'm coaching my team members, I say the same thing to them. What are you doing this quarter that you could graduate from to replace yourself and, and fill someone else in that role? And that will enable us to go from two to 100 to 1,000 to 10,000 effectively. Fantastic. I, I like the concept. We'll have to institute it around here. And I love the fact that you're talking about this quarterly, not just the, you know, that annual check-in with the employees that, that uh, you know, is sort of a checkmark sheet for so many companies out there. Let's talk a little bit about 2015 and the rest of this year. Uh, you know, it's it's early in the year in terms of when we're recording this podcast. As you look out for the rest of 2015, top challenges, top priorities. Now, these could be for you personally at the company or it could be for the company itself. Priorities and challenges. When we look at our core priorities, we want to fulfill the objective of our all strategy. And I'll talk to you about the five pillars of our all strategy. The first is to be able to deliver all types of software. So that's as you articulated cloud software, SaaS pass infrastructure, as well as deployable software. Mm -hmm. The next pillar of the strategy is to be able to do that across all types of verticals. So you mentioned cable operators or retailers or value-added resellers or software companies that want to resell software. Yep. The third is in an omni-channel experience. So we talked about that a lot. How do we bolster the experience in which people are purchasing services? The fourth is to businesses of all sizes. So how can we ensure that we have a value proposition across all those different business sizes? And the last is across all geographies. Um, so we've really grown geographically fairly quickly. So 2015, success is driving all those five pillars uh, and growing from the core. Mm -hmm. I would I would imagine one of the challenges there is uh, as you try to go uh, international or you, or as you do go international, you've got to localize a lot of this stuff, either in the way your sites are designed uh, or the partner sites are designed or making sure you've got the right versions of software for each local market. Uh, how has that challenge been unfolding so far? So the magic of our platform and ecosystem is that it's been designed and purpose-built from the ground up 
to be fully localized by our partner community. Okay. So okay. the value of us partnering with people in markets. So for example, in Sweden or Norway, we work with Telia Sonera, which is a local service provider there. In Switzerland, we work with Swisscom and Deutsche Telekom uh, is Germany and AT&T in the US. And those providers actually cultivate an ecosystem in their own right, leveraging our platform. So they attract local developers. They put together and curate offers. They help with the language and the currency and the single bill. Um, so leveraging that beauty of the partner ecosystem, we can scale very quickly while maintaining that local value. Got it. Got well, I'll it. tell you what, Daniel. Thank you very much for walking us through the Series D financing, your your five core values, which I think is is probably the highest value portion of this conversation. All of it was great, but that was a great piece. And thank you very much for talking a little bit about the vision for 2015. Really appreciate your time today. Certainly. Great to speak with you as well, Joe. To appear in a podcast and discuss your business strategy, contact Amy Katz for sponsorship information. That's Amy at After Nines. Remember to visit afternines.com daily to read our latest blogs or to subscribe to our newsletter. And remember to join us every Tuesday night at 9.01 p.m. Eastern for Good Evening IT Entrepreneurs. I'm Joe Panateri, signing off for afternines.com. Mm-hmm.